you have a wet basement, you've got a problem. Not only are you inviting toxic mold, a flooded foundation can raise serious structural issues. But here's the good news. Jackhammers and backhoes and other drastic measures are probably not in your future if you read our tips for sealing your basement. Hit moneybit.com, click on Ideas and Tips, then click Repair and Improve. And for answers to any home improvement or home repair question, give us a call right now, 888-MONEYPIT. Coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, making good homes better. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Call us now with your home improvement project. What are you doing? What are you working on? It's a great hour. It's a great idea. It's a great time to tackle just about any home improvement project your imagination can muster up. We are here to help you get the job done. Got a great show in store for you. First up, pressure-treated wood. We're going to talk about that. You know, it's used for building a very long-lasting deck, but only if that deck stays standing is it going to do you any good. Pressure-treated wood can cause your deck's fasteners to corrode, and that's what could cause it to fall down. We're going to talk about what causes that and what you can do to make it not happen to your deck. Plus, we want to make sure that you don't get yourself or anyone in your family into hot water because it takes only 130-degree tap water to cause a pretty nasty burn. And yours is probably set right around there, perhaps even 10 degrees more. We're going to tell you how to make sure your family is safe. And if you're looking to do your part to help save the environment, we have a great idea for you, recycled furniture. We'll learn some tricks of the trade from a craftsman who uses 100% salvaged wood, and you can do the same. And as usual, if you call us right now at one 888 Money Pit. We're giving away a great prize this hour. It's a four-in-one utility bar from Stanley. It's going to work like a crowbar, a nail puller, a demolition device, you name it. It's a pretty cool tool. It's worth 40 bucks. so get on the phone right now. If you want to qualify for that great prize, call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Well, if you listen by podcast like Fred does in Massachusetts, we could answer your question as well. How can we help you, Fred? Uh, hi, I am a real estate broker. I have clients who just bought an eight-year-old home, and uh, most of the floors are cherry. There's probably about 3,000 square feet, and they would like to change the color, either lighten or darker. Dark, okay. And their first choice is to lighten it. Uh, however, they've heard that it always leaves a pink cast, so I thought it I'd uh, check and see if you have any suggestions. It does leave a pinkish hue. However, I mean, that's only because of the nature of cherry itself and also with red oak. But it does happen to have a very charming look to it as well. If you decide to do it, choose a stain that will enhance that reddish hue. Don't go for, you know, a white tone where it's pickled because that really does show a very pink tint. Basically, is the top sealed? It's totally with urethane or sealing on it of some sort? Um, doesn't appear to be. They, you know, they're willing to... Uh... You know, to remove what's ever on there, uh, and they're thinking of, you know, then they would stain it darker if that was their only option. Well, you can go lighter. Just make sure, if you can, take a piece or if there's an extra piece of planking laying around the house somewhere and experiment with it. You know, remove the stain, strip it down, sand it as best you can, get to a raw wood surface, and then just experiment with stain colors that you like just to see before you commit to the enormity of the floor. 
What's your suggestion on how to lighten it? Do you bleach it? Well, you can bleach it, but you may have an unpredictable result. What you're going to have to do to bleach it is, first of all, you're going to have to sand the whole thing. And considering it's only eight years old, it's kind of a shame because you're going to lose a lot of wear and tear mm-hmm. there. Um, and then, you know, the bleaching process may or may not come out like you wish it to, even if you get it all sanded off. That's what you got to practice. And then if it turns out that you don't like the bleaching look, then what's your other option? Well, you can go back to the original cherry look, or you could try to add a darker stain and darken it up and even it up a little bit. But your options are pretty limited at that point. If it's, pre- if it's already finished and it just needs a buffing up, Fred, there's a way that you can do that without stripping off the, the old finish. And that is you rent a floor buffer and a sanding screen. And uh, it's very easy to do. It's, it's really idiot-proof. I've done it many times myself on a lot of the hardwood floors in my house because what that does is that just sort of takes off and roughs up the upper surface of the finish. And then you vacuum that up, and you can go ahead and mop down a new coat of polyurethane without having very much mess at all. Sounds great. All right, John in Maryland's next. What's on your mind? Hi, yes, I have a, uh, a grout problem. I, I have a kitchen floor. It's high traffic. I put in the tile myself, I put in the grout myself, and I put a Teflon sealer over it, and it never seemed to work. It stains up, and it takes forever to get, the clean, get it clean, and when I get it clean, it gets dirty in a couple of days. It sounds to me like what you probably need is a grout stripper, and this is probably the most heavy-duty way to, to clean up those grout lines. There's grout cleaners and there's grout strippers, and grout strippers are a lot more caustic and do a lot better job of pulling out those stains. Well, it breaks down all of those stains, and it almost even gets rid of a little layer of the grout that's there, but it gets rid of the stains. I've never heard of that. And they're available at home centers and hardware stores. It's called a grout stripper. And then reseal the grout when you're done. Should I use uh, some kind of a silicone or a, or like a Teflon? I think that the silicone is probably a better choice than the Teflon. I seem to get better results with that, but make sure you get it clean first. Otherwise, you are sealing in whatever dirt that's remaining. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. We're taking a call from Barbara in Alabama. What can we do for you today? I have a small house. It's a 10,500 square foot. (laughs) And approximately three months ago, I had a new heat pump put in. And it's a split system. And it is a York Energy Star 14 Sears, and it's two and a half tons. Okay, so far so good. And the question I have is, uh, the man first put the air handler, it's up in the attic, on medium, and it blowed way too hard in the vent. So he put it on low, and it still blows way too hard. Well, the vents are faced the same way it was with my old system, but I want to know what is causing this and what I can do. Did you have a heat pump system before? Yes, I did, and it was a split system. A couple of things. First of all, you may have a more powerful blower in this new system. And do you uh, feel, Barbara, that the air that's coming out of the ducts is cold or cool? Uh, yes. That's very common. If you've got the blower turned down to the lowest setting, then I don't think that there's much else that can be done about this short of replacing the blower. But those blowers are designed to work with the particular unit, so it's all one system. So I think it sounds to me like it's operating normally. In terms of the temperature, the difference between a heat pump and a fossil-fueled system like gas or oil is that that um, warm air comes out at, say, 130 or 140 degrees, but with a heat pump, the temperature comes out at around 100 degrees. So if you put your arm in front of that, it feels much, much cooler. And in fact, you know, add some moisture evaporating off your skin. You get that evaporative cooling effect, and that's why you feel 
the chill. And they might be feeling that more now because you've got a more powerful blower. But it sounds to me like it's working correctly. You know, uh, Barbara, one of the things that uh, I could suggest to you, which will save you some money, is a special type of thermostat called a clock setback thermostat designed specifically for heat pumps. You have to buy the one that's designed for heat pumps. It must be designed for heat pumps because if not, what's going to happen? You know, a heat pump works by primarily working on uh, a, a refrigerant system, and that is inexpensive to use. And then it has an electric backup system. So if you pull too much, uh, too much of a temperature swim because of the wrong kind of clock setback thermostat, you're going to run the backup uh, system more frequently than you should, and that's going to cost about two to two and a half times more than just the heat pump. So that's why it has to be rated for a clock setback thermostat for a heat pump. Doreen in Delaware's got a leaky ceiling. What's happening? Well, I had a leaky ceiling. What happened was I had a, uh, my washing machine had overflowed. It's upstairs, my washer. Okay. And it had overflowed, and it came down through the floor and into the ceiling of the down, in the living room downstairs. I did fix it. I got some of that tape, that joint tape, and I, and I got it fixed. But what I forgot to do was sand it. And now it's like really uneven. It's like, is, yeah. it, is there a, a clean, neat way to get that done without all the powder going everywhere? There is a machine that you could rent that basically sands drywall and has a vacuum attachment to it. Oh. But if you, if you don't have that, um, you may be able to kind of do this as a two-hand. What I would do is I would take a block of wood and wrap sandpaper around it so you have a flat surface to work with. And then with a, with a vacuum hose in one hand and the, and the sander in the other, you can try to minimize the dust that way. Just make sure you wear a dust mask because you and safety goggles and a hairnet, for that matter, because you don't right. want this dust getting everywhere. And by the way, while we're talking about it, I think it's USG just came out with a reduced dust spackle. And uh, it was pretty cool because I saw a demo of it, and it was not nearly as flaky as the traditional uh, spackle mix. So I think the manufacturers are getting smart on that. And if you're doing a big project, then that's something you could look into. That's a little late for me now, but... (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) But for those that are just tackling those jobs now... At the rental, the equipment rental place, and see if they got that sander with the vacuum attached. Yeah, that might be the way to go. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. And I just started listening to your show, and I'm really learning a lot of stuff. So thank you for that, too. Well, thank you so much. Good luck with that home improvement project. Thanks so much for calling us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Hey, Money Pit listeners, now you can call in your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are always here for you and with you at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Up next, you usually see pressure-treated wood when you're looking for lumber to build a new deck or perhaps even to repair one that you already have. Yeah, but did you know that the chemicals used in the pressure treatment process can sometimes cause corrosion to the deck's fasteners? We're going to tell you what to do about that next. 888-MONEYPIT Is dryness a problem in your home? Especially in winter months, dry air can make skin itchy. Make your throat and nose dry. I can't talk! And don't forget about static shock. It also causes walls, hardwood floors, and home furnishings to become dry and cracked. Put an end to dry air problems with an April Air Automatic Humidifier, the best cure for indoor air dryness. Never too dry, never too moist. Just the optimum amount of humidity based on outdoor temperatures. Protect your health, your comfort, and your furnishings by putting an end to dry air with whole home humidification from April Air. Now doesn't that feel better? (sighs) April Air. Fresh ideas for indoor air. 
When it's time to choose a new entryway for your home, choose the brand more building professionals prefer, Thermatrue doors. Thermatrue pioneered the fiberglass door. Today, Thermatrue doors come in more styles and colors than any other brand. Classic Craft represents Thermatrue's premium collection. Fiber Classic is Thermatrue's original wood grain fiberglass door. Or choose Smooth Star Fiberglass for the look of smooth painted wood. But no matter which Thermatrue entryway you select, you've chosen the most preferred name in the business. Visit Thermatrue.com. Somewhere, a guy is tossing his golf clubs into the water. But you, you'd rather build, say, a burled maple coffee table. RYOBI Woodworking Tools lets you do it. RYOBI gives you the power and precision you need to succeed at prices that help you get going. Of course, there's still some equipment involved, but it's power tools. And you don't have to wear those funny clothes to use them. RYOBI Power Tools. Professional features, affordable prices. RYOBI, exclusively at the Home Depot. That's just beautiful. So AARP has a series of tips for homeowners who want to improve their homes, make them safer and more comfortable. And I found these tips on their website, aarp.org slash universal home. In the bathroom alone, I widened the door, installed brighter light bulbs, and put non-slip surfacing on the floor tiles. Instead of wishing my house had improvements, I'm making them. To bring comfort, safety, and a future to any home, visit us online at aarp.org slash universal home. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, making good homes better. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. All right, deck owners, beware. We're talking about pressure-treated lumber, and we want you to know that there are special chemicals, and they're used to pressure-treat the type of wood that's often used for decking, for outdoor stairs, pretty much anything that's going to be outside and standing up to weather conditions that's a wood product. Plus, these chemicals, they're corrosive, and they can actually begin to eat away at a deck's galvanized metal connectors, which are going to be the fasteners, the joist hangers, and sometimes you start to notice this corrosion even within weeks. And once that breakdown starts, the deck's structural integrity, it can be compromised, and it can actually turn a beautiful outdoor leisure area into an unsightly hazard. And you know, if you remember just a few years ago, the chemical formulation of pressure-treated lumber changed from the copper chromated arsenic With base arsenic, that used yeah. to be used. And, and now um, the chemicals are actually safer for people, but they're not so good for the fasteners. So, you know, you can either have a safer deck or you can have one that won't rot away your fasteners. <laughs> but what it basically means is you have to be careful the way you construct it. There's an extra step that will help. And that is to use a product like Vicor Deck Protector. It's made by Grace. It's basically a self adhering flashing. You wrap it around the ends of the deck joists. These are the deck joists. These are the floor joists that support the deck. So the pieces that go in the hanger. Right. So it's sort of a buffer between the galvanized metal hanger and the pressure treated wood. And that's going to dramatically decrease. Do you ever want to run a piece along the top edge of the joist where you, you know, put I nails do. in? I, I like to run it along the top and actually up under like where the siding is going to be as well because why not stop a little bit more water from dripping down around mm -hmm. the fastener? Because every time I've taken apart a deck, those fasteners, those uh, joist hangers are always rotted out in that area. So by putting uh, a product like Vicor around the ends of the deck, joist, and then also a piece across the top, you're pretty much totally protected. And look, the cost of this is nominal. And if you're going to spend all that money 
uh, building a deck, you want to make sure it's not going to rot. You want to make sure you don't have to do it again. Well, plus it can be dangerous, especially if it's a second uh, story deck. So you have to be real careful. Good workmanship makes the difference. If you want more information on how to reduce the risk of corrosion, you could log on to this website. It's graceathome.com. Lots of information there on how to build a deck that's not going to rot away. All right. So when you're listening to the Money Pit, did that light bulb ever go off on the top of your head saying, oh, that's exactly what I wanted to know, but maybe you didn't write it down because you were driving or you just forgot it a minute later because I'm the absent-minded professor. But folks, if you hear something and you want to hear it again, you can listen to everything we've ever done at moneypit.com. You can play all of our recent shows. They're available online. You can listen on your desktop. You can even read our transcripts and then search the transcripts for the exact information you wanted. And best of all, it's all free. Just like our phone number, call us right now, toll free at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. This hour, if you ask your home improvement question on the air, you could win a $40 utility bar from Stanley. It's part of the Fat Max series. It's called Extreme, and it's a four-in-one tool for prying, splitting, board bending, and striking jobs, and it's worth 40 bucks. So call us right now, 1-888-MONEYPIT, to get in on this great prize. Leslie, who's next? Christine in Florida is working on a relatively new home. How can we help? Yes, hi. Um, we have, I'm here in Florida, and we already have uh, gas service to the house, but it's time to be replacing the water tank pretty soon, and there's a lot being said about the tankless water heater, but knowing that this is instant um, heating of the water and there's no tank, I'm wondering, is it, you know, what you can tell me about these units, how efficient they really are, and what happens if electric power goes off? Does that affect us getting hot water? Well, that's a good question. Now, first of all, I have to ask you, do you have natural gas in your house, Christine? Yes, we do. Okay. So uh, a tankless water heater works just as you described. It basically heats water on demand. So the efficiency comes from only heating water and only running the gas to heat the water as you consume it. So you're going to see a financial savings because otherwise a traditional water heater is going to just keep that water hot all the time. Yeah, we like to say that traditional water heaters are dumb because they don't know (laughs) any better than just to heat it all the time whether you need it or not. A tankless water heater gets around all that by heating on demand. Now, the other advantage of a tankless water heater is you have a, a very easy way to adjust water temperature. In fact, many of the more modern ones have digital control panels, so you can literally dial the temperature up or down. You know, in case of a house perhaps that has children, you can dial it down to a very, very safe, lukewarm level and, and not worry about setting them up to take their own bath or shower. And then if you want it a little bit hotter when they're done, you can easily dial it back up again. The installation, fairly straightforward. A couple of things that are different from a normal gas water heater. Usually the piping has to be bigger because uh, tankless water heaters use very big gas pipes. They don't use more gas. They just need a larger pipe to get the volume of gas that it needs there to give you that instant heating capability. So the installation tends to be a little bit more expensive. And of course, the water heaters are more expensive. But over the life of the units, you are going to save money, and they are pretty darn convenient, and they're very tiny. And what about the power outage issue? Well, if you lose power, you're going to lose water, but you would lose uh, tank. You would lose water even if it was a, a gas water heater with an electric ignition. If you had just a regular gas water heater, you wouldn't lose hot water, but with a tankless, you probably will because there's circuitry involved there. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Gary, you're next on the Money Pit. How can we help? Yes, ma'am. I was calling. I had a uh, roof leak, and what had happened, I've got an older home. It's a, it was built in 1954, and it's got the plaster walls. And uh, it had done some, uh, well, stain damage to the wall. Well, those are great walls. That's the good news. 
and I was wondering which would be the best way to uh, cover the stain and repair that wall to smooth it out to where I could put a fresh coat of paint on it. Well, first of all, Gary, uh, the fact you've got plaster walls is great because uh, in a 1950s house, you probably have what we call plaster lath, which is basically a drywall covered by plaster. They're very hard, very durable walls. If you've had leak damage there, what you need to do is you need to paint over that with an oil-based primer, a product like Kills. Because what that does is that seals in the leak stain. And you're not going to see it permeate through the new top coat. And exactly. And gives you a neutral surface on which to put your top coat. Great. So, so I mean, I wouldn't have to do any sanding in to smooth that or anything. As long as it's clean, what you might want to do is wash it down with some TSP first, trisodium phosphate, just to make sure the surface is clean before you prime it. But once you put that primer on, you're going to see when you put the top coat over that, it's going to flow really nice and even, and it'll, it'll look great. Great, great. Okay, I was worried. I didn't, I didn't know how to go about fixing that, but that sounds pretty simple. Then. Very simple. Thank you, and I appreciate the, the uh, information. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Roofing is on Russell's mind in Illinois. How can we sort things out for you? I got a friend that was building a house in Florida several years ago. They was going to go with a metal roof instead of shingles. And their insurance, like, was 300% higher. Do you know why the insurance would be up so much higher for metal roof instead of shingles? I have absolutely no idea because that's counterintuitive. A metal roof is going to be far, far, far more durable than a shingle roof, which can be easily stripped right off. I mean, those shingles will fly off roofs in Florida just like dominoes that get knocked over that are in a line. Um, a metal roof is going to be a much more durable option, and so I can't imagine why the insurance would have been higher for that. I mean, of course, it's a more expensive roof to replace. Maybe the place appraised a little bit higher, but really I can't think of why you would want to pay more insurance because their risk is lower, frankly. Yeah, I thought so. It was... It was going from like $700 a year to $2,100 a year. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. You know, metal roofs are really high-tech right now, too. The finishes are gorgeous. And they are good-looking. And, in fact, the finishes are, are designed to even reflect the sun's energy, which is perfect for an area like Florida. They're pretty high-tech finishes today. So, And because they're so lightweight, depending on what the original existing roof tile shingle is, you might be able to go right on top of it. How about up around Ohio? Well, that's be a good area for that type of roof too they're good no matter where you are in the country okay. and it's an investment roof i mean it's going to last an entire lifetime it's so going to last I think, 50 years or more not you know not nearly as short of a lifespan as say a, a dimensional asphalt shingle okay well i sure do appreciate it all right russell thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit 888-666-3974 what's your home improvement question up next, in just a few minutes, we're going to meet a man who's helping save the environment one tree at a time. He's making handcrafted furniture from salvage wood. You can learn to do the same. That's coming up after this. You live in a money pit. Money pit. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by April Air, makers of professionally installed high-efficiency air cleaners. For more information, go to AprilAir.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. 
Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. You know, so many things in our world are disposable. They're made to be thrown away as soon as we think they're no longer usable. But there are craftsmen out there whose trade is based completely on the concept of using salvage materials. And Stephen Staples is part of a growing industry that gives you more alternatives about the furniture that you can buy. In fact, his green furniture is part of a growing trend to be more environmentally responsible. And we're so glad that you are, and we're glad that you're joining us now. Welcome, Stephen. Well, thank you. It's fun to be here. So, Steve, when you talk about green furniture, I mean, you would think that everything in furniture is green today, but where do manufacturers become very ungreen? Where do they start using materials that are very processed and harmful for the environment? Isn't everything made of wood okay to use? No, not at all. In fact, uh, you know, the United States has a $79 billion furniture industry alone. Lately, within the last eight years, China has uh, consumed uh, one-third of the world's furniture market, and you want to be sure that the, the wood is sustainable, that it'll come back and grow, and that you're not depleting the rainforest, which is uh, disappearing at, what, an acre a second now? It's just a horrible situation that we're finally waking up to. Well, the idea of reclaimed lumber, you know, how do you know that you're getting clean pieces of lumber and lumber that doesn't have any rot or insect issues? You know, where do you even go to start thinking about reclaiming wood for furniture usage? There are a lot of different uh, groups that are coming forth uh, informing that um, actually certify whether lumber is antique or reclaimed on furnishings that you wouldn't know it by looking at it. You know, sometimes they take big beams and cut them up and it looks brand new, but it's old. It's 100 years old, but once you cut it, it's beautiful inside and clean and you wouldn't know it as reclaimed. A lot of the times we take stuff, we'll take a floor out of an attic, clean it down, wash it, and then uh, I have a 16-foot oven that we put it into. We bring it up to 135 degrees for 30 minutes, and that kills every bug in the piece of wood, all the potapost beetles, every egg that's in it. Eggs last up to two years. Huh. So it's, it's something I've wanted for a long time, and we built, and we built it all, all by hand, just like everything else we do, and it's, it's quite a thing. I don't know of too many other people in this industry that do it, that have an oven. But does that preservation processing, if you will, does that affect the integrity of the lumber in any way? Does it make it weaker, stronger? No, it doesn't hurt it at all. It really doesn't. I can't think of anything it would do. It, it, you know, they kill dry lumber also, which is a, a system where they add moisture, take away moisture, and they try to do it evenly to dry the wood so it won't check. If you do that wrong, you can do what they call case harden the wood, where the wood gets very hard on the outside and we've had that in our shop from other places where you couldn't even push a hand plane on it mm-hmm. unless you wet it, it hmm. to, to give it some lubrication. We're talking to Stephen Staples. He's a cabinet maker, one of the best in the country. And you've got a new joint venture going with a group called Timeless Timber that actually works to, uh, to recover lumber. Where do you guys get the lumber mostly? Now, I mentioned we, we talked about barns and places like that, but are there other sources for recovered lumber? Yes, I love where they're getting it. They're getting it from the rivers, the bottom of the rivers. Uh, you would think that, that lumber that's in the bottom of the rivers is going to be soft and decayed. Well, these are rivers that are cold and, and just cold and running and just doesn't decay. I don't know why. Oh, so this is like full logs from like the timbering logging business. Yes, they call them sinkers. And when they had the big logging runs down the rivers, uh, some logs would get have others on top of it, and they'd eventually sink. I mean, they're wet. Hmm. <laughs> it takes Normally it'll take in a kiln... About a week to dry lumber. These take 40 to 50 days to dry, the, dry the same lumber. They have to do it so slowly. It's the beginning of petrified wood, if you will. If you give it another 50 million years old years, it would be petrified wood because it's starting to absorb minerals from the water. It's starting to color. 
it's been under there for 125 years, and it was 250 years old when it was cut down. Steve, if consumers are concerned about whether or not the, the lumber that they're, it's being used in their furniture is, is recycled or is it coming from a green source, are there things specifically they can check? I mean, if you're walking into a furniture store, for example, is there a way that you can know whether or not your lumber is coming from an environmentally responsible organization? I think at this point where this is fairly new and people are very excited about it, they're tooting the horn, and it'll be written on any tag that's on there. If it doesn't say it, it's not. And if you have to put it together, chances are it's not. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> if it comes in a box, yeah. Do you ever find in the recovered and the recycled lumber that you use, do you ever find any surprises? Uh, yeah. Do you ever cut into something well, we find and bullets. find something you didn't expect? We found a bullet yesterday. We, oh, interesting. Know, luckily, they're lead, yeah. but we find Civil War Civil War bullets. Interesting. We, we find shotguns that have been shot against walls. Huh. We find graffiti is fun sometimes that you find uh, on walls. We take wallpaper off a wall and the impression of, say, a snowflake wallpaper is still in the wood. Do you ever utilize any of those details or any of those almost defects, but they're interesting? Do you ever showcase them in furnishings? We try to um, just bring forth the defect, like the snowflakes, which we just made a gorgeous table out of it. If a stairway is running up into an attic, you can actually see it on the side of the boards that were there, and we run them right across the table, and you can see a stairway. And, of course, it's nothing like today's stairway. They're steep, they're short, and people love it. You can actually make almost a Navajo design if you bring one down each side. You can really make all kinds of designs out of the stairways that were once running up the boards. If we have cracks in the top of something, rather than just fill it in, we'll fill it in with another reclaimed material like black walnut that'll be a very dark line. So I won't try to hide it. I try so to make, make a feature of it. Yeah, I feature it. I, I bring it's, it forth. Yeah, you know, in the years I was, in, I was uh, in construction, I used to build stairs and railings with, you know, very expensive curved wood and things like that. And, and we always used to say, if we made a mistake, we made it look so good that people thought it was supposed to be that way. There you go. <laughs> That's my, fa- my favorite quote is, the problem with doing good work is nobody ever sees it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Really, that sounds wonderful. You know, it's almost as if, you know, we've lost the artistry of inlaid worksmanship and carved and turned pieces of wood by hand. And this is sort of, you know, the next generation of that master artistry. So well done. We're trying to keep it alive. In fact, I turn every leg on any piece of furniture we do, I turn by hand myself, all, all without calipers. I do it all by eye so that it will be off enough so it looks like it was done 200 years ago. Well, you're just about as rare as the lumber you work with, Steve. Yeah, I know. I feel that way sometimes, too. <laughs> but <laughs> Stephen Staples, thanks for joining us. You can learn more about Steve's work and how to find recycled lumber that can be used for your own home improvement projects at Steve's website. That's www.staplescabinetmakers.com. All right. Well, from beautiful furniture to a pretty scary statistic, did you know that more More than 5,000 children and older adults are burned each year from tap water that's just too darn hot. And most likely, your water heater is set too high right now. Well, find out the correct temperature and other ways to keep your family safe next. Mold is in your house. Chances are it's breeding behind your walls. In fact, it's been estimated that 70% of all homes could have mold in their wall cavities particularly when moisture is present. Fortunately, there's an ingenious new way to fight the problem. You see, until now, drywall had paper on both sides, and mold eats paper, which is why more people are insisting on a new paperless drywall called Dens Armor from Georgia Pacific. Unlike conventional paper-faced drywall, Dens Armor has glass mat facings on both sides, and no paper on the surface means one less place for mold to get started. It's that simple and that revolutionary. If you are building or remodeling, 
Stop Feeding Mold by using Den's Armor. To find out more, go to stopfeedingmold.com or ask about it at your local building supply retailer. 18 volt drill driver. Eight piece combo kit. You don't have to just wish you had the power tools you really want. With Ryobi, you can actually afford them. Ryobi Power Tools. Professional features, affordable prices. And they sound really good, too. Ryobi. Exclusively at the Home Depot. Give your home an attraction that reaches all the way to the curb at a Classic Craft fiberglass entryway from Thermatru. Classic Craft, a stunning AccuGrain technology, captures all the beauty and luxury of premium hardwood, but won't split, crack, or rot. Add a sparkling custom touch with decorative glass door tiles, side lights, and transom, too. When you do, studies show your home's perceived value rises as much as 6%. Let the curb appeal of a Classic Craft entryway enhance your home's look and value. Visit Thermatrue.com. I want to keep my home for as long as I can because there are a lot of memories here. I read a little bit about making my house more comfortable and wanted to make my mom's house safer too. AARP told me about making mom's bedroom door wider and taping down her floor rugs. And I added handrails to our staircases. It was all simple and inexpensive thanks to AARP's tips. Now our homes fit our lifestyles and are ready for years to come. To bring comfort, safety, and a future to any home, visit us online at AARP. AOL's new real estate site has answers for just about everything a homeowner, buyer, seller, or renter may have. In fact, it's like they're reading your mind. Hello? Hello? Who said that? Me, down here. I'm AOL Real Estate. Got any questions about your house? Um, well, I feel a little strange talking to a website, but I do have a question about wooden siding. I live near a wooded area, and sometimes... Aluminum pie pans. I beg your pardon? Aluminum pie pans. Hang them from your eaves. Scares the bejeevers out of them woodpeckers. Wow, that's what I was thinking. Okay, I have a 60s-style bungalow, and every once in a while... Four-inch retro-style moisture-proof tile in your bath. Lose that wet dog smell. That was weird. Okay, concrete driveway and... Vapor permeable sealer. Makes spills yesterday. Pink paint. Lead composition. Stabilize with 3-in-1 primer. Paint over with an Aegean blue to match your eyes. I think I love you. AOL Real Estate. So smart, it's amazing. Go to realestate.aol.com to see our own answer man, Tom Kreitler, in action. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by RYOBI, manufacturer of professional feature power tools and accessories with an affordable price for the do-it-yourselfer. RYOBI Power Tools, pro features, affordable price. Available exclusively at the Home Depot. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. More handy than having a plunger in every room of your house. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What do you do with the plunger in the living room? (laughs) Hey, that would be for a really bad spill. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Call us right now if you're dealing with a plumbing nightmare or any other type of do-it-yourself disaster. Maybe you started something, didn't go so well. Call us right now at one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Speaking of disasters, you need to be really careful about that water heater. When we're talking about hot water, it only takes about one hundred and thirty degrees to give you a burn that you're really not going to forget anytime soon. And most water heaters are set at 140 degrees because everybody wants a hot shower. Well, you want to make sure, test your water today. If that temperature is more than 140 degrees, you need to act fast. First thing, turn your water heater down to about 120 degrees. Believe me, it is plenty hot. Secondly, think about buying an anti-scald device for your sink. Yeah, that's right. Anti-scald devices basically make sure your water stays only as hot as you want it. Some devices shut off your water if the water temperature gets too hot. Others mix the hot and the cold water coming from your tap. And there's a type of valve for your shower called a pressure balanced valve. We have one here. And we actually, have one too. Ours recently broke down and, and, and created the weirdest thing, Leslie. I got hot water out of the cold water faucet on the sink that was next to the shower. Really? Was that sort of the symptom to let you know that it's broken? And no, I didn't. I had never seen it before with all the plumbing problems I'd seen. But when I called uh, the uh, the faucet manufacturer for uh, advice on the replacement part, they're like, yeah, you've got a bad diverter. So it lasted like 10 years, though, so I can't complain. But the pressure balanced a valve, in my case, just needed a new cartridge. If you don't have one, definitely worth having. Stops that shower shock, you know, when somebody flushes the toilet or runs a sink and you get either icy cold or... I mean, it's great. We definitely feel a differential in pressure, but right. nothing happens with the temperature. Isn't it great? Which is what you want. Now, now, this is your new bathroom, right? Yeah, this is... We jazzed it up a little bit. We added that. It's great because it used to be terrible with only, you know, a bath and a half in the house. Sometimes one's in the shower, one's in the bathroom from downstairs and if you flush the toilet just forgetting you know you really can burn yourself up there yeah so ask for a pressure balance valve if you want more tips on uh, what to ask your plumber and how to build a bathroom that's great for kids and adults you can log on to the aarp website who provided that tip it's aarp.org forward slash universal home that's aarp.org slash universal home all right now there are some cases when you do want scalding hot water to come out of the faucet and that would be an instant hot water heater for your beverages you know you can have a steaming hot cup of tea or cocoa or coffee or even that instant soup straight from the tap right at a special dispenser at your sink you can learn all about instant hot water dispensers in our next money pit e-newsletter if you're not already a subscriber i don't know why not it's free do so now at moneypit.com Come on, folks. One eight 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 Money Pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Where if you pick up the phone and call us at eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four, you'll get the answer to your home improvement question and a chance at winning this hour's prize. It's the Fat Max Extreme. It's a four in one tool for prying, splitting, board bending, and striking jobs by Stanley. It's going to be yours if you call us at eight 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 Money Pit. We will toss all names into the Money Pit hard hat. You must be willing to come on the air and ask your home improvement question. Leslie, who's next? If you're in Washington like Margaret, you can find the Money Pit on KSBN. What can we do for you today? What I need to know is a process, how, what kind of a process do I need to go through to take vines off of a friend of a house? And they're around quite an area. And the fonts do Well, there's a couple of things that you need to do. First of all, if it's very thick, it's probably a good idea to spray it with uh, a product like Roundup first, because that's going to uh, kill it and make it wither around and sort of release 
Well, it'll also dry up its grip that it's got on it. Yeah, because those grips are really, really strong. And then once you get it, then you spray that on, you're going to have to wait a couple of weeks and then you pull it down. It comes down quite easily. Then once you have it down, then you could really start to dig out the root area around the bottom of the foundation where it's starting to really get its water. And if you hit those two areas, I think that you'll clean it up quite nicely. You don't want to use anything like a pressure washer or something like that stone because you're apt to damage it. I think if you spray it with Roundup, pull it off. If there's any vines that are still sort of stuck on there, just like the little fingers of the vine, you could brush that off with a wire brush. Margaret, thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Up next, the key to a good paint job. You know what it is? Prep, prep, and then more prep. We're going to spell <laughs> it out for an emailer who wants to know exactly how to get her textured walls ready to paint. You live in a money pit. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by Dense Armor Plus, the revolutionary paperless drywall from Georgia Pacific. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. It's home repair because we care about you, about your home improvement projects. Call us now, 1-888-MONEYPIT, or jump on to moneypit.com and click on Ask Tom and Leslie, just like Cher did from Sibley, Iowa. All right, and Cher writes, we have just finished drywalling and texturing with a hopper gun on a low setting. I'm ready to paint my walls, but do we need to prime or seal before we paint? It never hurts to prime. Oh, gosh, you should always prime. Otherwise, everything sucks itself right up, and then you're wasting your color. Yeah, especially if you're putting a new textured ceiling on. And and by the way, Cher, may I mention that this is the first time in in probably a year that somebody's asked us advice about how to texture a ceiling (laughs) as opposed to how to remove texture from a ceiling, which we get like every week. It's amazing. People are either in love with or hate textured ceilings, and clearly Cher likes it. Well, you do need to uh, prime it, and then you can use a large roller. There's a special kind of roller that has like slits in it that helps you paint a textured ceiling, and it's sort of uh, is very spongy. It looks like a spiral ham. Yeah, and it helps you get into all those nooks and crannies. So uh, prime it first, and you can use a water-based primer, and then use a flat ceiling paint using that big spongy like a, what do you call it? <laughs> it looks like a spiral ham. And the a reason why it ham. works so well is that... I think that's the technical that, term, the spiral well, ham. Well, because it has a spiral cut to it. <laughs> it's not the ham roller, yeah, although we can it call center, it that. You'll know exactly what we're talking about. You'll know. About. It. It's usually yellow. And it, the reason why it's sliced like that is because each groove sort of opens up and then the spongy roller surrounds all the texture. So you're not worrying about any holidays, you know, where the paint takes a vacation. <laughs> All right, Jim in Mechanicsville, Virginia writes, I just had a three-car garage built, and the slab is beginning to crack already. It's separated from the block wall at the base. Inspections were done and passed. There's no expansion joints, and the concrete was fiber-filled with no rebar. Should I anticipate problems? What should I look for if there will be a problem? Well, uh, Jim, from your description, when you say that it's cracked already, if it is simply separated from the wall, I wouldn't consider that a crack. That's, That's probably just initial just a, settling, right? Well, it's normal shrinkage. The slab is going to shrink a bit. And a fiber fill is actually a pretty good reinforcement material for a garage floor. Now, if it does begin to crack, I would tell you just to let it go because unless garage floor cracks become a tripping hazard where the, sl- the slabs actually break and separate and one's up higher than the next, Really, it's not a structural uh, part of the foundation in any way. It's really just there to keep your car off the dirt, and I wouldn't worry too much about it. All right, and get to enjoy in that garage because you know you want to build projects out there. Well, okay, if you are planning a home improvement project this year, a local home show might be the best place to start. 
Learn more in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. All right, home shows. I'm at a ton of them a year. You're like the home show queen. (laughs) Sometimes, yes. It's very crazy. And it's amazing how many are scheduled on the same weekend all across this country and how many times I'm at a lot of them. But it's crazy. And the home shows are a great place to see pretty much most of the new products that you might like to choose from before you start any major home improvement. But to avoid being overwhelmed because they are kind of big and there are a lot of vendors hawking the same thing, you want to make sure you check the list of exhibitors in your local paper and plan out your route before you go. Think about who you want to see, what you're looking for. This way you can sort of focus on what you're looking at because otherwise you'll be like, oh, a hot tub, a swimming pool. It's crazy. They're overwhelming. By being selective, you're going to have more time to see exactly what you need and you're going to be able to make the best choices for your project. In fact, if you're in the Lansing, Michigan area in the first weekend of February, I'm going to be at the Capitol Library talking about my favorite subject, home improvement. Plus, I'm friendly and I like to meet you. So hopefully I'll see you there. See, I told you she was the home show queen. (laughs) Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. Well, this show is all about empowering you to improve your home up next week on the program. We're going to take a review of websites out there that can help you improve your home, including some devoted to women that have formed an online site, an online community where there are women helping women tackle home improvement projects. That's coming up next week on the program. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.